Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the NFL Alumni Lounge. It is March 18th, 2020, and for episode 10 of the Alumni Lounge, we've got a special one for you. A guy that we are extremely proud of here at the NFL Alumni. A guy who has gone and in his second career exploded fresh off of an Academy Award win, fresh off the best-selling book nationwide. Mr. Matthew A. Cherry steps in the lounge today, and we've been very excited to bring this one to you. Now, as everyone in our country and around the globe has been facing the challenges that have come along with this uh, coronavirus, everyone's had to make a lot of big changes to their daily routines and upcoming events, especially the NFL Draft. And here at the NFL Alumni, we're taking all the proper precautions. Uh, the Board of Directors meeting, Chapter Presidents meeting, and Super Bowl of Golf have all been rescheduled for August 20th through August 22nd. Hopefully we all stay strong, get past this, and have a great time down at Pinehurst in North Carolina. Incredible how fast things change. Last week we had Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend Mike Allstott on the show talking about the Super Bowl coming up in Tampa. And now we're hearing WrestleMania coming up in Tampa Bay is canceled. Just incredible what we're facing. But I want to send a special thank you to our friend, WWE Hall of Famer, Diamond Dallas Page, keeping us all in motion here at the Alumni, offering his DDPY yoga system and all the at-home workouts right now exclusively for NFL alumni members. And if you want more details on that, just visit NFLalumni.org. This week's episode is being brought to you by our friends at Sticker Mule, home to the best custom stickers and branding in the game. Let me tell you guys, they had us looking great. At Super Bowl Radio Row, we had the most beautiful NFL alumni and NFL alumni lounge stickers, high-quality vinyl, long-lasting, eye-catching, top-notch work from our friends at Sticker Mule. Log on to StickerMule.com today for all your custom stickers, labels, magnets, coasters, and beyond. And tell them Charlie Boots told you, don't be a fool, go with the mule, StickerMule.com. Now here he is, the man who has brought a lot of pride to this here NFL alumni family this year, author of Hair Love, Mr. Matthew A. Cherry. Matthew, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I don't think as good as you. You have been on an absolute whirlwind. What has it been like to be you since winning that Oscar? Man, you know, it's been crazy because um, I actually uh, went right into directing a TV show. I um, started directing this uh, ABC series called Mixedish, which is a spinoff of Blackish. And so, you know, this, these past couple of days have really been my only uh, off time since the awards. And, uh, yeah, man, it's finally starting, to, finally starting to finally hit me, you know? I'm telling you, at Super Bowl Radio Row, everybody was talking about you. And then you win that Oscar, and it's been exploding around here. So I want to take it back to when you were a young man in grade school. What was the mix between sports and the arts uh, that had your mind? You know, it's crazy, man. I've always been interested in, you know, film and TV and the arts, you know. I, um, you know, I uh, somebody reminded me in grade school that I won an award for creative writing. I, mean, I grew up in Chicago, and uh I was featured in Chicago Magazine when I was in, like, the fifth grade, and um, I was a part of the AV Audiovisual Club in high school, and I uh, majored in radio TV broadcast in college, and so, you know, I think film and TV and the arts have always been a big part of my life. Um, I think it was kind of an organic uh, transition. You know, something that I always knew that, uh, you know, I had more to offer than just being an athlete, you know? 
Do you remember what that piece was that you won the Creative Writing Award for? <laughs> it was, you know, it, uh, they actually sent it to me. It was some some crazy thing that kids do. Uh, <laughs> it, it was something about uh, a ma- it was something about a, a magician that has to. He's like doing a trick, and then like an earthquake happens, and he has to try to escape. It, it was something crazy, but you know, I was in like fifth grade. So. Wow! <laughs> and did you have a favorite writer at the time, or was there a favorite book series for you? Um, honestly, man, not really. Uh, not that I can remember. Um, you know, for me, I just, you know, my parents didn't really, uh, take us to the movies a lot. So when we did go, it was always special. And, um, you know, kind of the same thing with books, you know, I just, uh, kind of took to whatever was being taught and, um, yeah, it's just crazy, man. Do you, do you remember the scholastic book fairs at school? I do. I do, man. And the fact that like hair love is on the cover of it now is insane. Like it's insane. <laughs> So one of our one of the NFL alumni's best partners nationwide is Scholastic, and Scholastic actually we teamed up with them oh, wow. and, and and the University of Chicago, and we're working with this program now called My Very Own Library, where kids go in from Chicago and other underprivileged uh, markets, six across the nation, and they give away five free books at the Scholastic Book Fair, courtesy of the alumni, My Very Own Library, and Scholastic, and. Scholastic was telling us months ago, months before the Academy Awards, how good your book is doing. And it's been something that's just like always talked about. Yeah, man. You know, um, I, I got to give all credit to my manager um, and producing partner, Monica Young. You know, when we did the Kickstarter campaign for the short film two or three years ago. You know, she always saw this as like a potential book that could, could really connect with people. And she, it was her idea that, to offer it in our Kickstarter. And it's just been insane, man. I mean, on top of the Scholastic Book Fair, you know, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, she uh, is a big supporter of the book and is getting it out to a lot of the kids that are that subscribe to that program. And, you know, we've been, the book has been selling out like crazy ever since the Oscar win. So it's just been wild, man. That Oscar win was the cherry on top for Matthew, folks. Man, so <laughs> at, at what age was Literally. it? At what age did you say... I got a chance at playing in the NFL. You know what? I could tell you the exact moment. Um, I remember I, w- I went to the University of Akron on a football scholarship, and I was there for a recruiting visit. And I remember uh, the guy who ended up being my receiver coach, uh, Greg Gilliam, he'd asked me, he was like, kind of, what's your goal? And, and like most kids, I kind of saw that as, a, as a, you know, some bait. And I was like, you know, I want to get an education. And, you know, the typical thing you think people want to hear. He's like, no, really, what's your goal? He's like, do you want to make it to the NFL? And, you know, mind you, this is a smaller school in the Mid-American Conference. I never really saw that as an opportunity. And, you know, he kind of reminded me, like, you know, uh, Jason Taylor had went to that school, um, Richard Green. You know, they had, like, four or five guys that had made it. And that was the first time I was kind of like, wow, like, this, 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 could, this could be a thing, you know? And so, so you're at that point in college, and then academically, where were you? Like, what classes were you – were you shining in, and which classes were you enjoying yourself the most? Oh man, you know I was, I was always was a communications guy. You know I, I majored in radio, TV broadcast, and media production, um, and that really, to be honest, early on in my college career, that interested me even more so than football. You know, I remember uh, my head coach had to pull me aside because I was spending too time, too much time at the college radio station, it was kind of like reminding me, like, you know, you're on a football scholarship, you know, it's good that you kind of found your passion, but, you know, you got to focus on this too. And so, you know, just always trying to find that balance. 
Wow. As you can imagine, one of the biggest storylines over here at the NFL alumni all the time is transitioning from the field to your career after football, which a lot of guys have a lot of trouble with. How was that for you? Because you seem to have just been super graceful sliding into retired life. Well, you know, um, and I'm sure you may get into this later, but, you know, for me, I knew real early on when I made it to the NFL as an undrafted free agent that I was going to have to get my plan B together, you know, as soon as possible. And it was when, um, you know, the first time I got cut when I was with Jacksonville my rookie year, then they re-signed me to the practice squad. You know, um, up until that point, you know, sports was all about, you know, ability. And if you, you, you shine, you know, brighter than somebody else and you get the job and you know the NFL was the first time I really saw the politics of it all and you know things outside of my control started coming more in the forefront like uh when 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 were you when are you drafted are you drafted at all um things of that nature and I just uh I don't know you know it just really hit me like a like a wrecking ball like all right I gotta really figure out this plan b and I always knew it was gonna be something in entertainment I didn't know exactly what and um you know, it definitely was hard. You know, I think even Kobe Bryant talked about this when he won the Oscar a couple of years ago. Like, more than anything, you have to just change your, your mindset, you know? Like, being in the league, you know, you got to be very confident and almost, to a certain extent, braggadocious about your ability. And then when you transition to this new field, like, you have to really humble yourself and kind of recalibrate your mentality and how you approach it. And instead of being somebody who is used to being served, you know, now you're transitioning to a role where you're being of service and that probably was the hardest part out of anything just trying to change the mentality going from an athlete to a production assistant wow so when did pen touch paper for the first time in your writing career after football you know when i moved to la i was i was a part i heard about this program called streetlights and they're this nonprofit organization that helps um men and women of color transition um you know, into roles of a production assistant. And so I did that program, and luckily I was able to be a PA on a lot of uh, commercials and music videos. And so what I would do was, like, every time I'd be on a music video, you know, a lot of times the directors have to write a treatment, which is their vision for the video, and I would just collect them. You know, like, literally I just had a collection of all the treatments on all the videos I'd worked on, wow. and I would use that as practice, and I, and I would write my own treatments. Um you know, even when I was uh, starting to transition to being you know, a production assistant on TV shows. And so writing treatments really was that first time I really put pen to paper, probably a year after I moved to L.A., so in like 2008. Wow. And, folks, we're not talking – we're talking major stuff. You directed music videos for a laundry list of people. But we're talking Snoop Dogg. You had uh, Michelle Williams, Beyonce. I mean, what was it like? you know, seeing those treatments come to life for the first time, that had to be just as crazy as getting into the NFL. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, personally, man, there's no better feeling than like taking an idea that was like literally existed in your mind and then like seeing it come to life in reality, you right. know, like that is like, has always been kind of one of the best feelings for me. And, um, you know, to be able to do it with artists who are at the top of their field, um, you know, it's crazy, man. Even like you mentioned Beyonce, like, and when we walked in, you know, holding the Oscars in hand, you know, she she came right up to us and she showed a lot of love, man. You know, she, I don't know if you remember, you know, know this, but, you know, her young daughter, youngest, her oldest daughter, Blue Ivy, used to catch a lot of flack for the way she used to wear her natural hair. And, um, you know, she just kind of thanked us for that and um, just showed a lot of love, man. It, it was really wow. great. 
That is that's like goosebumps right there, Cherry. Oh. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy, man. Like the amount of things that have kind of happened post Oscar win has been really, uh, really incredible. You know. Wow, and it's got to make you feel like you don't. I don't even know what I've tapped into right now. You know, this is the beginning at this chapter of your career. Now, tell us about Hair Love. How did the idea come about? What did it mean to you? Putting it all together. So yeah, man. You know, like. Well, four years ago in 2016, I came across this really awesome image of um, it was in, in it was in CG, which is computer graphics. It was um, this image of like it looked like an Afro Brazilian dad uh, working at his computer with his young daughter sitting in his lap. And I don't know, like at that time, this was before Moana came out, Coco into the Spider Verse, etc. And I was just like, man, I've never seen characters that look like this. You know, the young girl had Afro puffs, and the dad had you know kind of tight. Uh, kinky hair kind of like how i had at the time and it just really spoke to me and like like a light bulb the, the idea just kind of came to me and i tried to get it done back in 2016 you know i put a call to action out online looking for the artists and i even reached out to the artist that did the image and for whatever reason everybody was too busy and so i kind of forgot about it um and then a year later you know, I kept coming across all these viral videos of dads doing their daughter's hair. And I was just like, wow, like, this isn't a sign. I don't know what is. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to make this idea a reality. And then we launched the Kickstarter campaign in the summer of 2017. Wow. And you go from the Kickstarter. That was It's kind of cool. You had a kickoff, right? That was your kickoff. It's in your blood. It's in the NFL blood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, when I mean, exactly. when you were putting together the Kickstarter campaign, were the Academy Awards on your radar? Like, what did you see as the ceiling for this project entering the Kickstarter campaign? Look, man, I, I would I would be lying if I said that it wasn't on my mind. You know what I mean? Like, I, I you know, I'll be very transparent. Like, I remember watching the Oscars in 2016. Right. And I remember, for whatever reason, I paid more attention this particular year than other years. And I watched, like, all the categories. And, you know, oftentimes we pay attention to a writer, director, actor you know the, the major categories but for whatever reason i was like paying attention to all the smaller categories too like sound editing sound mixing documentary short film animated short film and it was around that time when the idea hit me and i remember calling my manager and being like monica like i have an idea and i was like if we do it right i think we could mess around and win an oscar like that was literally what i said to her and you know it's, it's just crazy like looking back on it and i think a lot of that is kind of that athlete mentality where like, you know, at the end of the day, like you want to set goals, like you have to set goals yeah. and the Oscars in film, that's the highest level of achievement in, in, in that field. And it's same thing Bowl. when you're in the NFL and you want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, and so it was just kind of that similar mentality, just like it was less about the award and about just like doing something that was at the highest level in, in the field. You know what I mean? But that was kind of the end game. And, and he knew, folks, that he could achieve his dreams. He had reached the NFL. And now let's talk about the tweet you send out that people have been talking yep. about all over the place. 2012, he calls his shot. <laughs> I'm going to win an Oscar. Yep. And he does it. Um, so that sense of belief in yourself, where did that come from? Or who put that in you? Honestly, man, I think it's just being an athlete. You know, I think uh, when you make it to the highest level, you know, like the NFL, you know, I, I, I know I didn't like, you know, play a lot or, you know, have this really historic career in the league. But, you know, the simple fact that you make it to that level and you have a jersey with your name on it and you're, you know, amongst the greats, like people like Chad Johnson and Carson Palmer and 
Fred, you know, uh, Fred Taylor and Jimmy Smith and people like that. Yeah. You know, to me, it's just a mentality. It's like your whole life you're being told that, okay, when you're in Pop Warner, only X amount of guys play high school football. You're in high school, only X amount of guys play college football. You're in college, only X amount of guys make it to the league. And like your whole life, you're kind of blowing past all these expectations that people have set upon you or these limitations that they have set out for you. And it's like you, you blow past that. And so you really get this one one in a million mentality. And it, that has always really transferred over to me in, in, in film where it's like, you know, I've made it to the highest level in the NFL. Like I can do anything. Like, like there's nothing that feels impossible, you know, as long as we put in the work and we work hard, like, you know, it's something that can be achieved. And, you know, we saw that last Sunday. Yeah, you ain't kidding. And folks, here's a stat that Scholastic Books phoned in with us before this interview. There are 120,000 book fairs a year in 60,000 schools across America. So, I mean, just think, man, your book is one of the top-selling books in 120,000 book fairs. I mean, what is that like for you to hear? You know, it's all just amazing. You know, I think we, we really went into this with pure intentions of wanting to create a project that young people of color could see themselves in. You know, like mainstream media is so impactful on people's minds and so impressionable. And when you don't see characters that look like you, that are the lead of their stories, you know, it can really do a number on your confidence. And truly, all we wanted to do was provide images that people can see themselves in and young people. And, you know the success that has come from it has just been really, really eye-opening. And, uh, you know, I think more than anything, we just need more creators to tell their stories, you know, of all different inclusive backgrounds, be that LGBT, be that, you know, uh, race, be that gender, you know, et cetera. Like, like the more stories that are out there, I, I think the, the better the world will be. And how important do you think it is in the development of a kid to have reading and writing taught to them at the highest levels possible? Yeah, I, I think it's everything, man. I think it's everything. And, you know, like I said, um, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, you know, all throughout history, you know, white protagonists have always been the lead of these stories. And, you know, that really can help. That can really affect, you know, in the Eurocentric standards of beauty, that can really affect young kids' confidence, you know? Like, yeah. I can't tell you how many times we've been on, like, book tours and going to schools and things talking about the book and the short film and like adults have come up to us and been like, you know, wow, like I wish we would have had this story back when we were kids. Cause I may have loved my hair a little sooner. Wow. Um, you know, things like that, man. And, and people saying that, you know, there were times where their kids told them that they wanted to straighten their hair and have it look like certain characters that they saw on TV. And now because they seen the book or the short film, like they want their hair to be like Zuri's, which is it's their hair in its natural state. And so, Things like that, man, like you just can't quantify the impact. And I honestly and truly, I don't think we'll know the full impact for another 10 or 15 years. And I think projects like ours and on top of things like Into the Spider-Verse and Moana and Coco and upcoming Pixar movie Soul, like all those imageries are important in, in terms of just resetting kind of what the standards of beauty have been for the past hundred years. That is so powerful and so true. And I mean, you know, the only other place where where you see that, folks, and you see the example and impact it's had, professional sports. Jim Thorpe, Jim Brown, Michael Jordan. Yep. How important yep. is it, Matt, to have heroes that look like you? Oh, my God. I mean, look, you, you've been talking about the natural hair movement, you know, even for black men. Like, 
look at what Ricky Williams did when he had locks initially. Like, I remember, like, a lot of people were making fun of him and saying that, oh, he must be, you know, calling him, like, he's from the islands and all these other kind of crazy things. Right. But now you look at all these players and they all have locks now. You know what I mean? It's almost like the, the most popular hairstyle for black players in the NFL. So it's like, sometimes you need to see those representations of people that look like you. And that will allow you to feel comfortable in being yourself because your heroes are comfortable being themselves too, you know? Absolutely. Who was your hero growing up? Man, you know, um, people will probably be mad at me, but in terms of, um, you know, athletes, man, King Griffey Jr. was a huge influence on me. Um, you know, him in baseball and then in the NFL, uh, you know, Jerry Rice and Tim Brown, man, you know, being a receiver myself. Absolutely. Uh, Ken, did Ken Griffey Jr., is it official that he had the best home run swing in the history of baseball or what? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, he, he, even his influence, though, like, yeah. you know, now you've seen a decline in black players playing baseball because young people don't have that player that they can look up to, like how I was able to look up at Ken Griffey Jr., you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so important in, in, in every sport. That is so true. If there's If there's one thing that you, you would, you know, just love to see uh, either the NFL or just the USA embrace, you know, in the next five, ten years, what would it be? You know, I just think uh, at the end of the day, we just all have to be open to hearing and, and experiencing other people's perspectives, you know? Like, I think that goes for the NFL, that goes from film, that goes for TV and all different mediums. Like, you know, the thing I love most about entertainment is how you can – literally sit in a dark room and experience a whole nother person's life in a span of like less than two hours. And oftentimes you come out of it on the other side with a better understanding of how the other side lives, be that, you know, class, race, gender, et cetera. And I think, um, you know, we just have to be more open, I think, to other people's experiences. And I think for the NFL, you know, I just hope that they uh, continue to, um, you know, put their money where their mouth is and as a regard in regards to different programs of, you know, inclusiveness and, um, you know, equality. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's appropriate. We cover here. You mentioned Kobe earlier and in your award speech, you dedicated it to Kobe. Uh, what did Kobe Bryant mean to you and what did his legacy and all he's done for the community and sports mean to you? I mean, look, you know, being a former athlete turned uh, filmmaker, you know, Kobe Bryant's win two years ago, you know, meant the world, man, you know, to see somebody who, and with Kobe, he was literally a champion in his in his first career, be that basketball. And so, you know, for me, seeing him on that Oscar stage, seeing how um, almost nervous, you know what I mean? Like how just kind of in awe of, of, of the moment that he was a part of back, at, back in that time, really just meant a lot and let it known that it could be possible. And then, um, you know, when we were nominated, when it was announced that we were nominated, um, Kelly Carter from ESPN made the distinction that, you know, Kobe was the first former former athlete to be nominated and win an Oscar and that I was the second. And he he retweeted it and said, let's go, you know, and, and, and commented on it. And that, that meant the world, you know, and that we had really looked forward to meeting him. And for me, it was just, you know, really wanting to maintain the legacy that he put out there, which is that you can be more than an athlete. You know, you can be an athlete and and have more, bring more to the table than, 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 than what people know you as. And, um, you know, I think we just all got to do a better job of, um, you know, not putting expectations on people because, uh, you can't, you can't have a second act. Wow. Damn. That's great. That's, that, that's a goosebump steal right there to think 
to think he was retweeting that and what your story, imagine what you meant to him. Cause he knows, you know, they knock down doors right there. Yeah, man. No, I mean, we really were looking forward to meeting him and, you know, just, I, I, he had a lot of things in the works in the world of animation and other storytelling. And, um, you know, for me, I just feel a big responsibility to maintain that, that legacy and to kind of carry that torch and, and to keep his memory alive because, uh, you know, it's important, man. He, he meant, he meant a lot to a lot of people. That's powerful that you that you're carrying that. That's awesome. And if you're if you had uh, a guy listening right now that maybe he just got cut from the league, maybe he doesn't know what his future holds. Uh, what's a piece of advice that you would give him headed into his alumni career? Oh man, you know what I would say is just uh, you know remember that thing that you like doing when you were young, you know, and and try to figure out what's the best route to achieve that. You know, be that being a teacher, being a coach, being a filmmaker you know, being whatever, you know, um, there are people that have done it that have come before you and don't be afraid to reach out and to get advice and, you know, to try to follow that plan. You know, it's going to be hard. You know, I've had many, many, many years where I have thought to myself, like, all right, I'm going to give this up and I need a sign from God to keep going because this, this is hard, you know, like living out the car, like all kind of craziness that you do when you're trying to chase a dream. And to finally see kind of the fruits of that success now, you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's all worth it. You know, they're going to be ups and downs, but you just got to stick with it. It's truly what you want to do. You know, you'll, you'll find a way. Wow. Man, Matthew, thank you so much for not only what you've done on the football field, but thank you for what you're doing right now for the American arts and for the NFL alumni as a whole, man. We, you mean the world to us and to see you achieve these things is just beautiful to see. Oh, thanks so much, man. No, you know, anytime you guys need me, man, I'm there, you know. Mr. Matthew A. Cherry, thank you so much for coming on, and congratulations from everyone here at the NFL Alumni Association on all the success that Hair Love has brought you in 2020. We can't wait to see what the future holds for Mr. Cherry, and that, folks, is exactly what the NFL alumni is all about. Legends on the field careers of all different kinds but after the gridiron what can you bring to the world what kind of success and dreams can you keep chasing down that's what matthew a cherry's living and that's what he's delivering on and that's what that academy award represents for athletes everywhere kobe bryant got it started matthew a cherry number two i'm asking you guys who's gonna be number three I got a hunch maybe it'll be Tom Brady with this storyline he's cooking up down there in Tampa Bay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another week of the NFL Alumni Lounge. The world is in a wild state right now, and we're just hoping that everyone stays nice and close to your families, stay healthy, stay happy, and we'll be seeing you next week right here on the NFL Alumni Lounge. I'm your host, Charlie Boots, and I thank you guys for coming on by. See you next week. Cheers. Cheers.